Hello, hello, my name is Keisha Chung. And my name is Muna Traore, and welcome to the Collective Culture Creative Conversations podcast. Where we're gonna chat with different BIPOC creatives and community leaders we love and admire. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to collaborate with Never Apart Montreal for this podcast and to expand the collective culture community. So today's going to be a little bit different than a normal episode because instead of interviewing a guest, we're going to interview each other. So yeah, we want to give you guys the chance to get to know us a little bit better. Yes. Um, but before we get into the segments and what to expect from the episodes, from the seasons, um, well, from the season, we're going to give you guys a short summary of who we are and tell you a little bit about collective culture, just so you know us better before you commit to listen to us talk for an hour. So let's start with Muna. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, my name's Muna. I'm an actor, writer, and filmmaker, and a regular contributor to collective culture. I was born and raised in Toronto, but right now I find myself living in a few different places. I spend my time between Los Angeles, Toronto, and London for multiple reasons. Um, but all you need to know is that I work predominantly in film and television, and I am slowly finding my voice on the other side of the camera. And I sometimes do stand-up com comedy and when I'm not stuttering. <laughs> She's very good <laughs> at stand-up. I remember I went to your show. Was that last year or the year before? I, think it was the year before. I don't know. It was a while ago. My, it was so good. So I've, I've gone out plenty of times since then but oh good uh, I remember but after that show I remember people were coming up to me because we were cheering so loud for her they're like oh my god your friend was like the best one I'm like I know she was she's <laughs> so good <laughs> um so my name is Keisha Chung I'm a filmmaker content creator model and the co-founder of Collective Culture I too was born and raised in Toronto um in the film world I know, blah, blah, blah. in the film world I'm an emerging director producer and writer and I'm currently working at a production company called Scarborough Pictures um, as an associate producer and on the more event side I'm working as a programming coordinator for an organization called Blank Canvas um, and for all the astrology heads out there my sun sign is Taurus my moon is Leo and my rising is Cancer I'm a hot ass mess but it's fine um, so that's me so in terms of collective culture, as I said before, I'm the co-founder. And for those of you that have never heard of collective culture, we are a platform that prioritizes the voices of Black, Indigenous, and people of color through content development and programming. We started the platform in 2016 and began primarily as an event production organization um, where we collaborated with a lot of different other organizations and um, it was really great. And then we've segued into doing online content now and this wonderful podcast is one of those things. And it's so exciting because we started everything with Never Apart with our event CCMTL in 2016. So it's so great to be doing this podcast now with them and growing with them in this way. Um, but for those of you that might wanna know more about Collective Culture and our website, or, sorry, and um, our story, you can check out our website, uh, which is collectiveculture.ca. And you can also check out an article that I wrote for Never Apart Magazine in September, 2020, called The Story of Collective Culture, a platform prioritizing BIPOC voices. Um, I'll see if we can put it like in a bio or something, but that gives a pretty thorough rundown of how we've evolved um, for those of you who might wanna know more. So yeah. Uh, I kind of want to drop my astrological chart because you did and I feel kind of jealous. Yeah, so are. for those who are curious, <laughs> I am a Scorpio, Gemini rising and a Taurus moon. Oh, wow. That's a lot. But Taurus, bop, bop. I know. That's why I get along. I'm a complicated bitch. <laughs> so that's a bit about us and collective culture. For this episode, although it's going to look a little bit different than normal, we want to stay true to our segments and introduce them to you. So 
The first portion of the podcast will be a standard check-in. During this time, we're going to talk about our mental health and share a bit about what's going on with us. And the next portion will be called What's Feeding Us? So this segment will cover what we're listening to, what we're watching, what we're reading, essentially any sort of cultural content that we've been consuming that we want to talk about. And I'm so excited for this because I love talking about this stuff. And the last and final segment is going to be Creative Conversations. Here is where we'll have different emerging and accomplished BIPOC creatives and community leaders on the show to chat about their work, their creative practice, and give you all an opportunity to get to know them a bit better. But like we said, at the beginning of this episode, this week we are going to do things a bit different. So we're going to be interviewing each other and it's going to be really fun. So let's get into it. So Muna, tell us, what is the current state of your mental health? How are you doing? How's life? <sighs> Give us well, today I'm really angry and frustrated and mad. It could be because I'm probably about to get my period, but it also mm -hmm. just could be because of COVID and everything that's going on in the world. Um, I feel a bit overwhelmed because in this weird way, uh, things are picking up. I'm auditioning more. Mm -hmm. I'm doing more stuff with collective culture. Uh, I have to do my HST taxes. And so there are lots of things for me to be doing, but it just feels a bit weird because I'm not going out to do them. Yeah. And there's a part of me that just wants to hermit and hibernate and not do anything mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's hard to even imagine that the world has changed as much as we think it might uh, mm -hmm. in the next few months with the vaccinations. So I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I'm constantly in a struggle because I want to believe that things are going to change, but then part of me doesn't because... I mean, we've been misdirected so many times this year. Like there have mm -hmm. been so many plot twists. So many. So. And it's only been a month. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> it's only been a month. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel that. Like I, I feel that in a very real way. I think it's been weird too on my end because I'm doing like, as I mentioned, all the jobs that I'm doing um, right now and trying to find time to do all of that while being in the same space every single day has just been so hard. You know, like just trying to be like, okay, today I have to focus on this, but I'm still in my room and I have to sit at my desk. And it's just been really hard to focus and to, you know, I guess shift gears after being in, on holiday at home and have to work at home, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's been weird, but it's... But was it really a holiday? <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> well, honestly, I shut off things for like for like two weeks. I logged out of Instagram. I tried not to be on my phone. I was playing a lot of Sims, which was fantastic, which locked me off of the world, made some beautiful houses, had some babies, you know, it was great. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it was a little bit more of a holiday in that sense because I unplugged. Um, but I know what you mean where it wasn't a typical holiday where you're seeing all of your family and I didn't get the same level of relaxation that I normally would from the energy from other people, you know, that that fulfillment and that recharging that you get to, when you get to see the people you love, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, taken away from a lot of people this year too, so. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about your mental state. What's going on with you? Um, today, yesterday? Today has been stressful. I've had a lot of things to do today. Um, I've been running around trying to finish a bunch of different stuff for this week. Um, in general, I think I've been better than I've been in a while. 
the holidays was full of so many panic attacks for me and it was terrible. Um, it was really challenging to, you know, I'm a very organized person, so I'm often in charge of kind of managing things and plans and stuff. So over the holidays, that was, I, I took on that responsibility, but trying to do that in the middle of COVID was just so hectic. You know, you have to coordinate with this person, that person, and you can't see these people. And, you know, it was just, it was a lot. And then that, along with all the work things that were concluding for the year, just brought on so much anxiety for me. And I'm so happy that I'm not in that place right now because I was in it for like about a month. And it's not fun when you're experiencing just random panic attacks and you're like, why am I crying right now? Why can't I breathe properly? So I'm better than I have been to answer your question. Yeah, I feel you. I, I like, like toggle between anxiety and like feelings of claustrophobia um, and then depression. I spent some of the holiday with my, my boyfriend's family and I just felt so much like social pressure and I don't mm -hmm. think it would have bothered me as much, but because of COVID, I was so used to just being alone with him or just being with my family. So to be with other people and to be confined to a small space and in a bubble with them when I don't really know them that well, it was a bit overwhelming and it was a lot. And I started to get a bit panicky and Toward the end, I started to withdraw just because I, I needed space. And I am somebody who normally needs a lot of like me time and alone time. And I didn't feel like I could do that without being impolite or rude. So uh, mm. it was an interesting experience, to say the least. Yeah, and I think that's happening to a lot of people too. Like um, the feeling of not being able to have your alone time. You know, there's always people around. Um, like this week, my my stepdad, he went uh, to the office and I was home by myself. Mind you, there was like construction going on in my house, but I was home alone for like a couple hours. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot this feeling. There's nobody here. It's just me. And it was like, it was so like refreshing. Like I love having him around, obviously. I live with him, but it was just so nice. So I know that feeling when like you just, you need your alone time to recharge, you know? And I think that's something a lot of people are going through right now um, is not having that anymore. What's feeding you right now? What are you, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? I'm listening and watching everything. Um, I have podcasts running all the time. Uh, one of the newer podcasts that I've discovered is one called Dear Therapist with Lori Gottlieb and Guy Winch. So Lori Gottlieb is a therapist who has a column in The Atlantic, and that's how I found it. Uh, so her and Guy Winch are both therapists, and basically every episode, uh, somebody writes in a letter about an issue that they're having, you know, about you know, their wife cheating or whatever, and something that they need help with. And Guy Wench and Lori Gottlieb sort of discuss it. And then they bring the person in for a phone call. And then eventually they tell them what they think about the situation. And they give them some advice on how to deal with the situation. And sometimes the people follow up and tell them how taking the advice went. And I find that just an intriguing um, podcast because I don't know, I love self-help and I love hearing how these therapists coach people into dealing with issues in their lives. And so often they're, they're actually issues that I have or, you know, things that I need help with in, in different ways. Obviously I don't have a wife that's cheating on me, yeah. <laughs> but I do know like, you know, feelings of betrayal, jealousy, whatever. So that's one podcast that I'm listening to. Um, I'm rereading my favorite sci-fi fantasy series with my boyfriend right now. It's called Red Rising by Pierce Brown. 
Ooh. And uh, I don't know how you describe it. It's kind of like Romans in space, but um, <laughs> so much more complex and it. interesting than that. Uh, it's fantastic. And rereading it has truly been a joy. It is like Hunger Games meets Game of Thrones meets, I don't know, classical Roman mythology and history and all of it. It's, it's incredible. I'm intrigued. That sounds yeah. really cool. It's going to make a great TV show one day. Yeah. Oh, putting that out there. Maybe you'll get to yeah. be in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my, it's on the vision board. It's on the, it's on the vision, vision board, board baby. <laughs> um, and the last thing that's feeding me. So a couple nights ago, we decided to get into this show called the man in the high castle on Amazon prime. Okay. It's based on a novel by Philip K. Dick and it is giving Honestly, it's giving me Handmaid's Tale level of like dystopian future. Okay. So basically it's about what if the Germans and the Japanese had won World War II and they had not only annexed but colonized America. And so America is divided into three sections. Most of it is um, controlled by the Nazis. And then there's like a middle neutral zone. And then on the West Coast, they're called the Pacific States of America. And they are controlled by the Japanese. And this show, whoo, every episode, I'm, I'm, I'm literally in shambles. I also scream at the TV the entire time. Oh my God. And I know a show is good if I'm yelling. So yeah, <laughs> it has me. You also are not a huge TV person. So for you to, to say that you like the show to this capacity, like I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch yeah, it. The last, the last time it. we talked, I was telling you, like my boyfriend and I constantly only watch two episodes of a show and then we drop yeah. it because we can't get into it. This show had me. Okay, had I'm into it. Me I'm going to watch it. In. I'm going to watch it before we record the next episode and maybe we can chat about it. Okay, um, yeah. Because I love TV so much. So always here for some new shows. What have you been watching? What's feeding you? What are you listening to? What are you consuming? Okay, so podcast-wise, I've been listening to Jamil Jamil's podcast, I Weigh, which Ooh. I've been enjoying a lot. Um, I like, uh, I listened to this one episode that was really cool. Um, and it was with this woman who's a doctor of optimism. So she actually studies how optimism operates in the brain. And wow. I like, I'm not going to try to reiterate what she said because she articulated way better than I could. But I would advise anybody to listen to it that's looking for a very interesting perspective on, you know, positivity and optimism and just understanding how our brains work under pressure and how we can bring a different vantage point to being optimistic in our lives. Because she really says a lot of things I've never thought about. So it was it was really interesting. Um, and I think Jamila is like a really fun host to listen to, even though she can be just a bit overbearing sometimes um she always asks <laughs> she always is that asks, your jamila jamila impression <laughs> no that'd be terrible to listen like, a little bit. but um yeah she's she's like i like her as a host and i like her as um as as somebody who can kind of speak on cultural stuff um so i've been enjoying that podcast a lot um and i've been i have another podcast i'm going to talk about in a minute but i've been reading this book um, by Roxane Gay called Bad Feminist, which I love. Ooh. It's so good. It's a bunch of short essays. So it's really easy to read just like before you go to bed in the morning, you can read a couple pages. And then by the end of the day, you can get through a chapter so easily. Um, but it's really about how, you know, we're all flawed as people and even feminists and people who advocate for 
you know, anti-racism and feminism, we all have things we have to interrogate and it's important to be cognizant of that. So this book really gives a perspective on the things that she's seen in her own flaws and then cultural, has, has kind of cultural, cultural critiques around, um, you know, different TV shows and different ideologies that we've been taught. Um, one chapter, it was, it, I think published in 2014. So it's a little bit old, but she talks about the show Girls. And she has a lot of great points about that. I love that show, um, aside from all of its problematic I'm happy for you. Yeah. I'm glad you have that. (laughs) I know a lot of people don't, especially a lot of Black women don't. And I totally understand why. But it just, that show inspired me a lot. Um, I'm not going to lie. It it really did. So it was, and a lot of the critiques I have of it, she also carries as well. Um, Something that I thought was really valid that she said that I wanted to share here today, too, was that you know, with a show like that, because there's so little representation of different types of people, like maybe people who are not, you know, size two or certain representations of women, whenever we get something as a culture, we expect it to be everything for everyone. And I think that that was something that um, happened with girls. And she also said where, you know, we're told to write what we know, and girls is a really good illustration of the limitations of that. Because what, you know, Lena Dunham wrote was what she knew, but you see how that can be very limited, you know? Yeah, because I never, I never seen that version of Brooklyn with so few black people. Yeah, no, for real. What? But then when they did put black people into it, it was like, you put a black Republican like what? What are you doing? I didn't get that far. Okay, well, yeah, it pissed me off. I'm like, really? Like, see, we don't. Wait, was that the you. Donald Glover yes. character in season two? Yes. Okay, yeah, I did get that yeah. far. <laughs> it was, it was really irritating, and even the way the show ends, I'm not even going to get into it. Anyway, so I've been reading <laughs> Feminist, which has been really good. Um, and in terms of what I'm watching, I started re, I start not rewatching. I started watching The Office for the first time over the holidays, and I always was very. I don't know, weary of it because I feel like I missed the mark. Everybody's watched it so long ago. So I started watching that and it's been really interesting. Like I find it very funny, um, but something that keeps kind of popping up in my mind is like, there's so many extremely racist, sexist, transphobic, homophobic jokes in it. And it's so weird to me that it's still so revered, especially by people in our generation, you know, considering how, how, um, how aware we are of the way that type of rhetoric affects us on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Um, so that's been kind of interesting to watch, but it's almost been like an experiment because I'm really trying to just enjoy things more and not always be critical of it, not always analyze the race. And <laughs> the, the, all the Girl stuff. must be nice. Like, I wish I could. Trying, I wish I could. I'm trying to turn it off sometimes, you know? So this show's kind of helping me because it does have funny moments and I've been watching it with my boyfriend and just watching him laugh so hard at some of these jokes has just been really fun. Like, um, and lastly, on that note, I found a great podcast about The Office called Office Ladies, and mm-hmm. it's with the um, character who plays the actor who plays Pam and the actor who plays Angela. I forget the one who plays Pam. What Sorry, I've name. never seen The Office, so I don't know who these people are. Oh, okay, well, for people who listen, <laughs> I know that people who listen have watched The Office before, so it has these two actors from the show, and they go through every episode and break down like the behind the scenes so you get to hear like what what I love about it as somebody who like wants to make tv is you get to hear like what was the actor's decisions how they brought the characters to life um you know what's how the writers and the actors worked really close together which isn't as common in tv sets and stuff and you kind of get a breakdown of all of the pieces that brought the show together which is so I love podcasts like that like where you get to hear behind the scenes of how stuff is made especially for tv so um yeah those are all the things right now that are that are kind of feeding me um, and right. I've been enjoying them. Yeah. Well, one thing I think we should talk about is something that we've both watched 
which is Soul, oh, yeah. the new Disney Soul. Pixar movie. And I know we've talked about it privately, how Mm. impactful that movie is. So um, do you want to share your thoughts on that and what that movie meant to you? Um, I think one of the main things I loved about that movie, other than the existential elements and, um, you know, the kind of spirituality that they were touching on in that film, I love that it was a movie about a person that happened to be Black. You know, like it was said, you know, like it wasn't like about a black person who experienced racism and he's fighting things. It was like, that could have been an Asian person. That could have been a white person. The story's background was black, but that wasn't what was driving the story. It was just about Mm -hmm. him as a person. And he happened to be a black person. And I loved that. It it really, especially in terms of representation, it really showed me that we're going in the right direction with that type of stuff. Um, but aside from that, I just love the film. It made me think so much about my own life and the ways that I have prioritized my work as something that defines me. And I'm still working on that now, you know, you and I kind of spoke about this before, but it, it really pushed me to interrogate that and why I've defined myself by that for so long. Um, and it just showed you, like, to me, the message was like, life isn't about your accomplishments. Life is about living, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's not about, the the destination it's about the journey which I oh being a really good walker and a really good (laughs) bubblegum chewer exactly exactly what about you what did you think of it I was just so moved by the way they so clearly um relayed the message of you know the importance of focusing on your your spark and not your purpose like Mm -hmm. just being ready for whatever life has to offer moment to moment because if we live our lives waiting to get to you know some certain superficial goal or some level or like we're never satisfied with where we are or the impact that we have then we're going to completely miss out on what life has to offer Mm -hmm. you know moments of connection moments of love and community um and i think much like um what was the character's name joe what was his name i think his name the, the main character right Joe Gardner, right? Yeah, Joe Gardner. Yeah, it was Joe Gardner. Um, Like, much like Joe, I have lived so much of my life being purpose-driven and feeling like what I do in my career is who I am, my worth, and having to prove something. And I don't know, it just really illuminated me to letting all that go. Life is too short. And I think especially with COVID, we're seeing it like... I'm not going to miss out on opportunities and I'm not going to waste my life chasing something. I'm just going to enjoy what's in front of me and not try to qualify my life based on whether or not I reach certain markers of success because success is relative, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I think it's, it's very true that in this culture, we're really taught to prioritize ourselves based on a level of productivity or how much Um, you know, work we can do and the worth of that work is what we contribution to capitalist structure. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I think that that this movie, it, it, like you said, it really interrogates that it's like, okay, like that's not the purpose. The purpose isn't to accomplish X goal and then you'll be happy. You have to be happy and those things will come. 
mm-hmm. you know um it was a beautiful movie i loved it like i think if i watched it by myself i would have probably just been in tears but i was around people and i really hate crying in front of people so my boyfriend was in shambles for oh, like really? 30 minutes <laughs> afterwards like he just he could not handle it he was crying oh i love thing. that i love that <laughs> it was the part when they were like the oh sorry i don't want to ruin it for anybody yeah no spoilers no spoilers that's a, that's okay no spoilers gotta preserve no spoilers. that one yeah okay you're right you're right um but yeah the movie was great good job disney pixar and the pianist whoever was playing the piano i didn't look it up but good job man that piano was like nee, 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 nee. i loved it it was so good anyways yeah. soul great movie well we're gonna transition out into doing the creative conversation Us interviewing each other it's so exciting okay cool so um who wants to go first i think i should interview you okay but i think before we get into my interview i want to tell people a little bit about how we started working together i'll make it brief um but just so okay. people know you know um so in 2016 we had the ccmtl festival never apart muna was there i knew i knew if we knew each other from before like just from the streets from the streets like i don't even know exactly <laughs> how what i do remember i think our first interaction was at jazz cartier had a album release party do you remember that no oh my god okay and i, I, rem- you- I remember I remember almost nothing of my 20s. Okay, well, I remember that I Even met Even though you I'm there. still in my 20s. <laughs> I remember that we met there and you gave me your card for a production company and I was so excited. And the person I was dating at the time was like, oh my God, I met this amazing Muna. Like I knew her from before because we know each other from other times. But like that was the first time I remember really connecting with you. Anyways, I was really excited and we kind of stayed in touch. And then you came to CCMTL. You did the table read of the play that we had there. Um, Blackstone oh, yeah. Bowl. Was that what it was called? Blackstone Bowl? Yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, Blackstone Bowl. Um, and you've always been a big supporter of anything collective culture. I remember after you said, you're like, if you ever want to do anything, like hit me up and we'll do it. About a year passes. I remember you hit me up and you're like, yo, I have this opportunity to do um, this project called Cinema which is an audiovisual mixtape that um, this organization asked different artists from around the city in Toronto to make an audiovisual mixtape. And you asked me if I wanted to do it with you. So we did it. It was fantastic. I loved working with you. And we it got was really easy. It was so easy. And the project, the final product, if you guys haven't seen it, please go watch it. Like, I don't mean to toot our own horns here, but it's good. Like, you'll It's up it. on the Collective Culture website. Yes, it is. And you can find it there. It's really great. You can also see That's the event. That's cinema with two eyes. <laughs> yes, it's very, it's great. Um, and then some more time passes and um, COVID happens and summer 2020 happens, Black Lives Matter, all these crazy things are going on in the world. We hit each other up and we decide that we should revisit the cinema project and we end up doing it um, in collaboration with Never Apart. We did a panel conversation with Sarah Haggy, Tika and Domain Davis, which you can also see on the website if you wanna see the event. It was very good, we enjoyed it. And then we were also doing some other like behind closed doors events together over the summer and everything just kind of happened very organically and then now we are here doing this podcast so yeah it's been fun it's been a fun journey yeah did i miss anything journey um you missed the part where we went to elementary school together oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i was just older than you you were older than me i knew i knew your sister though because she was she's a little she's like maybe two years younger than me or something i don't know but you're you're in the sandwich yeah so we're we went to <laughs> that's very true we did go to Ed, so we grew up around the same area too um yeah but yeah that's that's me and muna's um little little history little tidbit 
um, there. So yeah, want to share that before we jump into the interview. Okay. Well, um, I think I'm going to interview you first. Cool. So, um, I mean, earlier you were describing yourself and you are the definition of a multi-hyphenate. Oh, and I think people would be interested to know how you find balance in everything that you do. And are there certain jobs or projects that you prioritize when you're organizing your overall vision of your life and your schedule and everything? Hmm. Um, okay. So in terms of balance, thank you very much. It's a very nice thing to say. Um, but in terms of balance, I'm honestly still learning. Um, I think something that I'm very proud of about myself as a person is I'm never afraid to try stuff. So, you know, I've always been someone who's doing multiple things. And I think over the years of just doing that and, um, you know, experimenting creatively, figuring out where my passions lie has always led me to need to know how to juggle multiple projects and multiple, you know, things that I'm doing. Like as an example, at one point I wanted to be a color, like do color correction as a career, you know, and then I want to be a video editor and, I kind of, I tried those things. I did the video editing professionally. I was like, I don't like this, like this isn't for me. Um, so, you know, I've tried a lot of things which has made me have to learn how to kind of juggle everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I think finding balance, like this year in particular, like I was saying, I think I mentioned this earlier, it's just like I have right now about four different things I'm doing. So what I've had to do is break down my days of the week. Like Monday is designated for one project, Tuesday is designated for another. And I have to be really focused with that. Um, so just trying to make sure that within that, I'm also taking time to prioritize my health. Um, that was mm. something I did not do before. Like I've been hospitalized because I've overworked myself too much. Like I was in the hospital for two weeks, I think four years ago now or three years ago. And it was very traumatic. Um, I had to get surgery. Like it was, it was really bad. And that really shook me because I was like, okay, like you can want to do all these things, but you can't do them if you're not well, <laughs> you know, mm. like you have yeah. to take care of you first. So uh, this year, that's something I'm really trying to do is not put so much pressure on myself to do everything and just do what I can handle. Um, and I'm just trying to find balance that way. But in terms of prioritizing, I love directing. I love producing. They're just so much fun. Like I love, like creatively, I think film is such a great medium because you get to work with so many different talents and different types of creativity in one project. You know, you have music, you have acting, you have sound, you have costumes, you have everything you know and I love that collaborative like collaborative sorry element of film so that's really what I try to prioritize is that um, following that passion that I have but with that being said collective culture has always been something I've, I've been doing and I don't do it for money I don't do it you know for accolades I do it because I love it like if nobody's reading anything we're doing for collective culture I would still do it you know, mm. and that I think as a creative is to always have something like that, that feeds you in that way. That's not for anybody, but, you know, for you to give yourself space to just try stuff and to experiment and to collaborate. Um, so I always try to prioritize those types of projects, regardless of how busy I am. I always find space for those things that creatively really fill me and collective culture, something like that and directing and producing is also something. So I'm very lucky that I can do like directing and producing as a job, you know, something like a job. Your response kind of reminds me of something that a professor told me when I was in university. Mm. He just told me to enjoy the buffet, mm. not to focus on, you know, one dish or one path or anything, just be open to everything and just enjoy it because allegedly life is long <laughs> yeah. and hopefully we'll have time to do a lot of things and they'll all sort of fold into each other and inform the thing that you choose to focus on eventually. Yeah, 
No, that that's really true. And that's kind of how that happened for me in my life too. Like I started modeling. That's how I got into media was through modeling when I was like 16. And that just spiraled into me now working behind the camera and loving that, you know, but I couldn't be as good at directing or even producing if I didn't have that foundation in modeling to understand what it's like on the other side of the camera or to, you know, pay attention to call sheets and see how sets work from that mm -hmm. point, you know? So it, it really all, like, I think any message I'd say is, you know, follow that thing that drives you. It will take you. If you listen to your, your intuition and, and your creative path, it will, it will pave itself for you, you know? And I feel like that's happened to me in my life. I've been very lucky with that. So. So when you went to university, how did you decide what you wanted to study and how have those studies led you to where you are today? Like how has your university experience contributed to everything that it is that you do right now? Mm -hmm. um, that's a good question. I, I, so, so I went to Concordia University. I did my BA in women's studies there. And um, interestingly enough, when I went to university originally, I was a history major and I was a history major because that was the like highest mark I had other than art or anything that was like creative. Like when I was younger, if I did, had to do any visual project, I always got A's in it. Um, but other stuff was kind of like, oh, like, yeah, I'm good at writing, but it, it was always the creativity that I was really good at naturally. And then history was something that I just, I guess I got and I had like really high grades and then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just major in this. So I majored in that. And then I went, I remember I went to um, my like first class and maybe it was like the second class and they broke us up into groups and like, okay, here's this really old text. You guys have to translate this. And I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And I just like literally walked out of the class. I was like, this is <laughs> not for me. Like not at all. Um, time passes and I end up stumbling upon a gender studies class and um, I just really understood it like I got it really easily I think we were talking about in the class I realized I really liked it about how before we're born you know if we're told we're a boy or a girl our characteristics are already defined for us and then that's reflected in colors so like pink is for girls blue is for boys what does that mean about how we're supposed to be in the world and those concepts just really made sense to me um, so then I, I ended up transferring from Guelph and I went to Concordia and um, I majored in women's studies. And while I was there, I just like, I don't know, I really gravitated to learning about race. And I took a lot of time to study critical race theory. And then I started focusing a lot on media and analyzing how the media is used to perpetuate racism, misogyny, sexism, all the isms and oppressions that you know we have in this world. And I decided, I'm like, okay, well, I still wanna do media stuff because I love it. Um, but I want to make it mean something. So I decided that, you know, from that point on, whatever projects I was going to do would somehow be grounded in my knowledge that I learned. You know, there somehow would be an element where it was challenging representation politics. It was adding to cultural conversations that maybe weren't being had in a certain way. Um, and, you know, it really does, my education has really grounded everything I do, like everything from collective culture to all the films I'm working on. Like, I don't like taking on projects unless somehow it's contributing to elevating marginalized voices. That's like one of my things, you know? So um, it really has shaped how I create and the kinds of work that I, I wanna do, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, where do you see yourself 10 years in the future? Hmm. Um, Honestly. Pandemic aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, doing the same stuff I'm doing now, just at a higher level. You know, I, I love what I do, all the different avenues I, and all the different places I have my feet in. Um, but just doing it at a higher level. And I hope 
you know, I really I have a TV show I've been working on that I really want to get made. And I think I'll have that by then. Um, you know, I'd love to start a production company and, um, you know, just help. I think, especially in Toronto, I know you know this, the infrastructure here for media, especially for media about people of color, is just like, you know, it's building, but it's not the same as like the States or London and places, certain places in Europe, you know? So I really want to be a part of building that infrastructure. And mm -hmm. I think I'm on the path to do that. So I just want to be doing the same stuff I'm doing now, but just at a higher level. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. If you could give advice to yourself 10 years ago, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Um, I think I would say it's weird because whenever people ask me this question, I'm like, I don't even, I think your past is so important because it, it like, I wouldn't change anything about my past. You know, I know, I know it's not what the question Girl, is. Girl, I, I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't like all, even all the negative experiences that I've had. And I know that's a very like, you know, it's relatively privileged to say that I have had a very fortunate life in that sense. But, um, you know, I think the things of our past really do help shape us. And for me, that that's been true. Even the negative things have have inspired a lot of art that I've done, you know? Um, but I think I would just tell myself to keep doing what you're doing and to stop caring what people think. You know, that's something I, I still struggle with, you know, just trying not to let external things validate me. And I think even, you know, as you know, being in the modeling industry, I was, I was a teenager and you're constantly being told there's something wrong with you, you know, lose weight, measurements are bad, this, that you're being compared to other women. And, and I think that really impacted me when I was younger and it shaped how I define my self-esteem. Um, and it's something I'm working through now, you know, in therapy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I wish that I could have, you know, just hugged myself and been like, you're not alone. Other people are going through this. Just stop caring so much what other people think and start valuing yourself on more than your appearance and on more than what you think people think of you. What do you think of you? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah, that's it's such a going. trap. The whole idea of being likable and desirable and fuckable. Oh um, my God. It it's is. another gateway to oppression. It really like it, there's nothing more liberating than the feeling of not giving a fuck about what anybody thinks about you. It's so true. And especially like as a young woman, like, you know, with men and stuff, when you're constantly, like you said, it's like being fuckable. Am I fuckable enough? Am I desirable enough? Am I all the things that people want me to be so that they'll like me or they'll want to sleep with me? It's like, what, to what end? You know what I mean? What do you think about yourself? How do you feel? You know, like it's, 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 you're right. It's a trap. It's a huge trap. Totally agree. Um, well, I guess I'm going to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. Curious about the five people who inspire you the most. If you can name five people, if you can think of five people dead or alive, mm -hmm. who inspires you the most um. other than me? <laughs> other than you and my mommy um, yeah and your mom and yeah and my mom um okay so creatively i'm gonna go with solange she's on yeah 100 percent. she is the epitome of the kind of art that i aspire to make at some point and i think that's really defined based on the fact that i feel like her art is so authentic you know she makes me want to be me she doesn't make me want to be her you know, and I love that. Um, and it feels like she's really tapped into something in herself and that's what she creates from. And it's just so inspiring. And whenever she puts out work, I'm always so moved, like whatever it is, I'm just like, I love you girl. She's the best. Um, so Solange, Donald Glover's on that list. He really inspires me. He just, to me, he's like so weird, but he's so talented. Like I watch things he does. I'm like, I don't get it, but I love it. You know, like, how did you come up with this? Like, what, what is your process? So I would love to 
you know, be able to get into that world a little bit. Um, intellectually, I would have to say Bell Hooks. She's one of, she is, her work is what made me want to major in women's studies. Um, when I read her first book, um, Ain't I a Woman? No, it was actually Talking Back that I read first. And I just remember reading it and feeling so seen. And like, I was, I was crying. I was like, oh my God, I've never felt this way about something I had to read for school, what? <laughs> Um, and she's just written so many amazing books. And um, I think she's one of the greatest minds of, of our time who's still alive. Um, and um, Issa Rae is somebody I'm very inspired by. I love Insecure. It's a show that I think is just, I love it. It just, it makes me feel good. I love it. I don't know. There's nothing more to say. Everyone knows Issa's the best. Like, go Issa. She's great. Um, and... I think that's all I can list right now. If I think of anything else, I'll let you know. But I don't think you've chosen anybody dead. Oh, dead. Um, I mean, not that you have to, but I'm, I'm just reminding you that you do have yeah, the option. I do have the option of somebody dead. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's dead. Okay, but one of my favorite jazz musicians is Donald Byrd. I think he, can I, I think he's dead. He's one of my favorite jazz musicians ever. And what I love about him is he would bring on students that he'd teach in his band. So when you listen to his music, you can hear there's like this energy to it. It's just so wonderful. So if I got to like score a movie with him, that would be so amazing. Like, oh my God, so amazing. Um, I love him. I love his music. I'm going to go with he's dead. I should know this if I'm putting him on this list, but I'm going to go with he's dead. I feel like I'd know if he was alive. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> thanks. Great. But you know, I'm going to check. I'm going to check right now because I have a computer in front of me. So we're going to check. We're going to check. Donald. Donald Bird. Yep. He died in 2013. That was a long ass oh, time damn. ago. So yeah. He, Girl, it's not that long ago. Stop, stop aging me. Okay. Okay. But that like to think about like that, that's a long time ago. I'm sorry. I just. In the grand scheme of life, it's not, but it is. <laughs> um, okay, so those are my those are my answers. Yeah. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Is there any other questions, or are we going on to you now? I think it's time to flip. All right. So, Luna, share a little bit about your story. I want to know how you got into acting and what drew you to the craft. I just remember watching television as a little girl and just thinking. I want to be inside the TV. Like, why am I not doing that? Like I should be doing <laughs> that. Like, I remember like looking at adults confused, like, why don't you have me doing this thing? I always felt like I was supposed to be on television or performing. And when you, you know, you watch videos of me from when I was in kindergarten, every time the camera comes on me, I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> moment. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I remember as soon as I realized that acting classes were a thing, you know, yeah. from one of my friends at school, I was like, can I get an acting class? And everything I did in my extracurricular time, everything I wanted to put my energy towards was about performing and acting. And um, yeah, that's how I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It was just something that like I came out the womb feeling like I should be doing. So it's just very natural to you. You're just very drawn to it naturally. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. anybody who meets me can tell from my personality, like I'm not shy. Yeah. <laughs> I take up a lot of space. I think that's like a new way I'm thinking about myself, especially because of COVID and having mm -hmm. to share space with my partner. Yeah. Um, 
I take up so much space and I think that maybe I instinctually knew that I wanted to do that as a kid or that I needed mm-hmm. a platform to do it as a kid because it's really annoying to most people in my life. Because <laughs> I, I, like, I, I just, <laughs> like, I have needs. They need to be met. <laughs> you I have, have a voice. A it needs to be heard. Personality. You have a big personality, you know? But yeah. I, I love it. It's great. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. I love it so too. I'm, I'm, I'm not drawn mad at to it. it, you know? I love that, like, you have a very magnetic personality. So that's why, to me, it makes sense that you, you act, you know? It's like if I met you and I did not like she does something with like performing or like something in that realm you know just your vibe um but yeah so I guess what really drew you was just this natural instinct that you had Um, yeah yeah and just um like the bullshit of the industry kind of pisses me off but I I love the idea of telling stories and using stories to really change people's mind uh, mm-hmm. minds about things um, to inform people but to get them to really think critically about their choices about the people in their lives about their behavior all of it mm-hmm. and that's also why I love stand-up comedy I think like the most brilliant stand-up comics are people who are able to get people to laugh at themselves but also see their own hypocrisy see their own ridiculousness and yeah. like for a moment not take themselves so seriously especially mm-hmm. in these times where things are so polarized like everybody needs to like laugh at their anus a little bit <laughs> we all have them and they all look funny and they'll stink <laughs> that's funny that's funny thank you <laughs> um so what would be your dream role acting wise I'll tell you one, but I'm not Mm going to tell you like the big one because it's so deep in my heart that I don't want to share it. That's okay. Um, One of the dream roles would be playing Edna Franklin or Dana Franklin in an adaptation of Kindred. I know that someone did a film last year called Antebellum starring Janelle Monae, which which was kind of like a ripoff of a whole concept of Kindred. Yeah. And I definitely didn't see it. And it was is several publications I read reviewed it as one of the worst films of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's what you get for ripping off a t- Octavia E. Butler. <laughs> but I digress. Um, but yeah, that's like a dream role for me. Anything mm-hmm. based on um, Mother Octavia E. Butler's books would be a dream. But that one in particular, I, I love. And I think that there's so much to that story so much that we we could mine now yeah um yeah i don't know Mm. that's that's one of my dream roles Mm. but there's a few yeah yeah um so what would be um your i guess i know you also went to school you went to university as well so how has your education influenced your life and work i think now more than ever, it informs my work. Mm-hmm. Because when I was 18... You should tell people what you studied too. Okay, well, when I went to university, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. So I was like, okay, let me just focus on myself. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I ended up majoring in Caribbean studies and minoring in African studies. Um, and then I also minored in Buddhism psychology because I was practicing Buddhism on my own, not really knowing anything. And then I found out that there was a program at U of T that was run by... Um, neuroscientists, cognitive scientists, and um, Buddhist teachers Mm -hmm. um, that was all about understanding mindfulness practices and uh, Buddhist practices and the science behind them and how they can help us therapeutically. And it's an amazing program. And um, 
So that's what I, I decided to go to school for. But, you know, at the time, I really felt like I was going to school to please my parents and just get them off my back. Yeah. Because neither of my parents had like formal education. And so it was really important for them, for me and my siblings to all get educated. But I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Like, I don't know why I'm going to school. Like, I, yeah. this is a waste of your money, but okay. Yeah. And my time, but okay. Um, and when I was in the Caribbean studies program, particularly, uh, it focused heavily on revolutionary texts, mm -hmm. on um, decolonizing um, our entire thought system. I had a teacher named Arnold Twaru, who, you know, was literally telling us that U of T was a white supremacist institution and literally like just breaking it all down. Yeah, the first yeah. class, he talked about how Christianity was weaponized as a tool of white supremacy and kids walked out in droves. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I was like, let me strap in. Cause I am here. Got my attention. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, okay. Like, and he really opened my eyes and, you know, a lot of the classes in the program really opened my eyes to seeing the world differently and realizing how much I'd been brainwashed and into mm. buying into my own oppression. Yeah. Um, and again, at the time I engaged with these texts, but it was, a lot of it was just like theory for me. And I didn't really understand how to apply it to my life or, you know, I needed more life experience to really see it in the world and really understand it. And I think now, especially with what's happening in America and culturally, uh, globally, actually, um, I see myself speaking more about books I've read and things that I felt for a long time, holding myself to a different standard and holding the people around me to a different standard. And it's still something that's like, like you said, in, like after reading Bad Feminists, like none of us are perfect and we're all in process. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast and I'm interested in collective culture is that it's a way for me to um, express some of my thoughts and my feelings about uh, white supremacy, being a person of color, uh, being black. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, what that actually means and all the things in between. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's um, very similar uh, experience I had too in school, you know, just kind of giving you the tools to unpack the way I like how you said it, the way you've been taught to bind to your own oppression, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago, what advice would you give yourself? I say, girl, sit down. Say, listen, <laughs> listen, bitch. <laughs> um, I would definitely tell myself to care so, 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 so much less about what people think. I would tell myself to trust my gut, trust my instincts. If I don't like a person, just like, don't try to win them over. Don't waste your time. Just like go where the love is and, yeah. and, start from there. I tell myself to stop fucking with these boys to waste, <laughs> to stop wasting my time with men. They're not going to give me anything I can't get for myself. And even what they do give me will not be enough. Um, I would tell myself to like lean into the things I'm really passionate about and trust that even though it might take time or it doesn't come instantly, like, you know, um, we're just sowing seeds now that will yeah. be sown. I mean, that will be harvested, you know, in years to come. Um, I would give my younger self a lot of advice about what it means to be a woman, because I don't really think I had anybody ever 
tell me that about like valuing myself about um what i deserve about um honor Mm -hmm. just certain you know maybe they're quote-unquote traditional but concepts that i think allow you to move forward without regret like integrity um and the value of that you know keeping your word those type of things i think i'd have a lot less regret you know and apologizing more and um checking myself you know mm-hmm. i think i think when i was young it was hard to see my contribution to certain things mm-hmm. or i would see it too much like i would it was i don't know it was like these extremes where i was like everything's my fault or that's not my fault at all um yeah. whereas there's so much gray but um you know focus on building bridges instead of burning them mm-hmm. i mean i still be burning bridges <laughs> <laughs> No, like but. some people can't can't cross <laughs> no more for you <laughs> you're done yeah um I, I love that though the the idea of you know sometimes especially because i can relate to that too when it's either this is completely my fault or this is not my problem you know so just learning mm-hmm. to take accountability differently i think is something that you know women are taught in a very weird way we're taught to either like fully take responsibility everything's our fault you know, and, and, or, you know, if you turn your back on people, then you're somehow betraying them because it's your job to nurture them. Yeah. You know, your job to make sure everyone's okay. You know, so it, those are a few years ago, a few years ago, I listened to somebody talk about this idea of endurism and how specifically women are fed this idea that like to be a woman, to be a mother, to be this, to be that, you have to endure so much suffering and just stick it out for the sake mm-hmm. of everybody else. And like, no bitch, no. Yeah. You literally don't have to do that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think a lot of my conversation with myself in the past would be just about valuing myself and valuing others more mm-hmm. and um, taking things with a grain of salt and really trusting myself about what is true and what isn't because i think i really sought outside opinion to form an idea of myself when i was younger whereas yeah whereas now i'm like i don't need anybody to tell me about myself Mm -hmm. like you're welcome to but that doesn't mean i'm gonna (laughs) believe you and i'm gonna trust my gut when it comes to you know my feelings yeah that's really good another thing that that you said i really um that i really liked was that you're to go where the love is i love that Oh, because when I was, when I was younger, I was attracted to the flame. I was like running to (laughs) dudes who could not give a fuck about me. I was running to people who I thought were my friends who literally were just like club cokies. Like, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they were just there for a good time. They weren't really there to support me in my dreams or building my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I was too young to get that or see that. Like, I just maybe didn't have a strong enough self-concept to know the difference. Yeah. No facts. And I I think though, that's something that everyone goes through when they're younger, you know, you kind of got to go through that all the shitty friends, all the fake relationships. I wish I could save myself the trouble because like, I waste, like, I feel like I wasted, like, I was so cute. My body was so fit and I wasted time and good looks on people who cute, did not girl. deserve. So cute. Girl, but I'm not snatched like that. Snatched the... Yes, you are. What are you no. saying? No. What are you saying? Go check out this girl's Instagram, okay? Like, what are you talking about? It's a catfish. About? It's a catfish. What are you saying? Stop. Stop. <laughs> 
Oh my god, that's funny. But I, I know what you mean. I feel, I feel like it's part of life, man. You gotta, you gotta feel the pain sometimes to to learn the lesson properly. Okay, but you, know, you like gotta make a little mistakes. bit less. Maybe a little, a little less. less. That's fair. Like I, I cringe. Agree. I think about myself the last like, you know, not the last ten years, but like you know, for a lot of my twenties, and I'm like, <gasps> I was like, how did I have time to text? that much texting <laughs> novels novels to men <laughs> oh, like that's funny. why i'm a short texter now like you text <laughs> with me all the time and i literally just be like okay okay yeah, okay yeah okay i'm like like because i spent way too much time like spend it all your long texting energy <laughs> oh my god never again never that's funny um okay so my last question for you is how do you define success i think success is experiential like I don't see it as a goal or something to arrive at. It's more of like the quality of an experience. Like, was it fulfilling? Was it satisfying? Did it feed your soul? Was it nourishing? Mm -hmm. um, are you vibrating higher as a result of having done that thing? Mm -hmm. Or is this, or is the experience causing you to vibrate higher? Like, um, I don't know. I think we're all in process. And I think as soon as we create a limitation or an endpoint of, okay, this is what success is, mm -hmm. I think it kind of limits us. So um, I don't know. I see success as how am I occupying energy? How am I showing up? And if I'm showing up better than I did the day before with more love, with more, um, energy more focus more passion feeling more fulfilled then that's success and even when i'm showing up and it's not working out or whatever if i'm learning from it that's success mm -hmm. and if i'm opening the doors for others to get through but maybe i'm not getting what i need necessarily or not what i need or what i want necessarily out of it that's still success like it, there's just so many different ways to qualify it but it's not about attaining a specific goal for me. Yeah, I love that. And that goes kind of directly what we were talking about with soul too, you know, like the idea of the experience and it's not about an end goal. You know, I love the way you, you articulate that. Um, I think that's well, a like, great way to, oh no, go ahead. I, I was going to say that the most fun I've ever had as an actor has never been for something I was paid for or something that was highly publicized. Like I've done a lot of acting jobs on set. I've acted in a lot of rooms and I've done theater things that you know you would never know about publicly and the most fun I ever have is stuff that I do for free or you know sketches that I do in a comedy group that I'm part of that you know has like five people in a basement in LA like you know like <laughs> so much like that's success mm -hmm. yeah I, I really I think that's something too that you know kind of to what we were saying before that you have to learn as you do things more and you're following that that sense of purpose and you're following those natural gifts and instincts they lead you to those types of moments and it really puts it into perspective that it's not about like what you said an end goal it's about the experience and how fulfilling that is for you um so i feel like that's a great way to to end off our creative conversation segment wait 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 come on we got time for a would you rather question okay yes okay you're so right would you rather so this is something that we are going to do with our guests too guys so it's going to be fun so uh, moon and i have have each selected a would you rather question we're going to ask each other so you can go first you can ask okay me. so kind of based on the questions i asked you in your interview mm -hmm. would you rather be 10 years older or 10 years younger 
10 years but older. you'd still be in this temporal time oh okay. or no or would you oh no would you go back in time i don't yeah, know okay so give me give me some of the rules here give me a couple give me okay some okay okay, okay here's the rules here's the rules okay 10 years older in the world in 10 years okay. or 10 years younger in the world 10 years ago 10 years older hands down like yeah i because i also believe like i've had this premonition since i was younger i i don't believe in life peaks but i still haven't found a word to articulate it other than this one but um i feel like when i'm 40 i'm gonna be so well-rounded like i just have this feeling that i'm like leading up to this like fulfilled self of just the way i've been you know getting in tune with myself spiritually intellectually creatively i feel like that time is gonna be really big in my life um, and also when my mom was 40, she cut off all her hair and I remember her just looking like an angel and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to be 40 and look like that. She's so beautiful. So it's <laughs> been like something in my head that I feel like is just going to be a really great time in my life. And I also feel like as you get older, like to what we've been saying throughout this whole episode, you just get wiser. You know more, you give less fucks, you know who your friends are, you know yourself. And yeah. this culture teaches us that age is like this thing to fear. Why? You know, in other cultures, age is revered. We, we look up to our elders. Like, not to say that I'm going to be an elder in 10 years, but as you get older, you know yourself more. And I just, I'm excited for that, you know? Honestly, I'm, I'm, though, if I had the option, though, I'd probably be 10 years younger because I just want to travel more and date less. Like, I just want like, <laughs> to travel like, more date less. <laughs> literally, you know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like, that's funny. Just, like, want to reclaim my time. <laughs> yeah no I know what you mean I just I, I think when I was young like 10 years ago I was a I wasn't a mess but where I was mentally like oh girl like mm, I would not want to go back to that place 18 year old Keisha was not was not I was cute but I was not cute like <laughs> it was not like mm -mm. um okay so my question because you answered did you want to add any more to your answer your no. reasoning no okay no 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 so would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great, great grandchildren? And mind you, you don't have to stay in the time. Like you can just go and kick it with them, but you have to pick one. I think I'd rather meet my ancestors because I feel like I'd be like high key disappointed in my great, great grandchildren for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, so what do you do for work? Really? That's it? <laughs> that's what i went through the shit for i'd be so shady <laughs> i would oh rather God, i'd rather go back to the past and talk to my ancestors and find out about what their lives were and whatever because that's where i find inspiration i think mm. if i was in a situation where i went back to the past and i was able to have that conversation whatever i took with me back into the future mm -hmm. would probably like light a fire you know mm -hmm. like it would really probably change how i see my whole world mm. i think back mm. about my answers all the time ancestors all the time and i'm so curious about what their lives are like and what they went through and it, it makes me so emotional like yeah i think about the hardships that they faced and you know the relative ease that i have in my life now and what that must have been like and mm -hmm. how I have to honor them and whatever it was that they did or they went through for me to live this life. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I always say, you know, at one point, and I think people have said this before too, but I love the saying is that we, at one point we existed in the dreams of our ancestors, you know, they, mm -hmm. they did everything for us. So I know what you mean in thinking about, you know, just 
even how we're talking about going to school and education and stuff like that was not possible for if you and I lived a couple hundred years ago, that was not something that we could have done, you know, so it, it really is. Um, it is very emotional to think about, you know, the past in that way. Um, but I, even though I agree with everything you said, I would pick the future. Because I'm not trying to meet my great great grandchildren. They're raggedy. They could <laughs> be raggedy. They be raggedy? Like you're not I raggedy. Know. I don't know. <laughs> but I wouldn't be there. Like unless I'm allowed to haunt them. How am I supposed to influence Why would you them? Haunt them? I don't know those oh people. God. I don't know those people. You don't know the past people either. You don't know either of them. I know, but I want to. Okay. You know what? Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Over this. <laughs> I just think it'd be cool to see what happens like it'd just be cool to see how things transpire and like I feel like if I went to the future I could like bring that knowledge back like when I come back to the present I'm like yo I know I know we'll go on like in I like, literally, a couple like, like but would you just like break up with your man and be like listen I'm not having your children <laughs> <laughs> so I met our this is what we're not gonna do they and they they're not cool like they're not cute they, they I don't like them I don't fuck with them <laughs> this can't happen I'm so sorry <laughs> I don't think I'm not putting out there that my great great grandchildren are gonna be raggedy, and I don't think yours are gonna be either. So oh, I don't think that I'm they're okay gonna be raggedy. That. But if they if they happen to be, I would be upset. There'd be probably one. There's always one. You Whereas know? if my ancestors were raggedy, I'd feel like I'd be more understanding. <laughs> I guess so I guess probably because all the shit they're going through. But okay, well. Um, that was fun. So those are our would you rather questions. Um, and I feel like this is a great place to end, end this episode. So we have obviously many more episodes coming up and we have an exciting lineup of guests. But our next episode is actually going to be featuring my best friend, yoga instructor, meditation teacher, healer, and all-around earth angel, Talia Randolph. Yeah. Yes, this health and wellness guru is going to be sitting down with us to talk about her various skills, how she's managing with COVID, and how she's helping others through her healing work. Talia is one of the only people I can say that has been truly thriving during this pandemic. <laughs> and I and don't know how. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how. Yeah. So uh, I really want to talk to her and find out what her secrets are and how she's been coping. And I want to share that with everybody listening. Yeah. Um, do you know her Instagram handle offhand if anyone wants to? I think okay. her Instagram ham- handle is at Airs Nouveau. So a-Y-R-E-S-N-O-U-V-E-A-O. All right, cool. And again, with the link thing, I'm going to see if we can hop that in the link um, of this podcast episode so you guys can check it out if you didn't catch that. Um, but I'm very excited to. Talia also grew up around in the same area. So um, I've known her for a while, but her and Muna are really good friends. So I'm very excited to have her on the show. Um, but also some announcements for Collective Culture. Um, uh, we have another event coming up. Um, Luna, do you want to? March 2021. March 2021. I mean, we are in 2021, but in March, yeah, we're going <laughs> to be bringing you more details about it next episode. But I'm very excited because it's going to be hosted by someone very dear to me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we'll tell you guys more about that next time. Um, and then to see all of our other collective culture content, you can check out our website, www.collectiveculture.ca. And don't forget to ch- check out, sorry, don't forget to check out this month's edition of Never Part Magazine. We have a monthly column in it and um, Muna's piece is going to be featured in this month for February. So we're very excited about that. If I get it done. That. No, she's, it's, <laughs> she, 
<laughs> so to check that out. And if you guys want to see some of the past editions, you can go to our website and on the homepage with a link to all the pieces that have been written. They've been written by the team and just really great. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on with collective culture. And um, yeah, there's there other announcements, right? Nope. So uh, if you guys want to follow me, Muna, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at underscore M-O-U-N-A-T-R-A-O-R-E. And if you want to follow me, my Instagram and Twitter is at Keisha Chung, K-E-E-S-H-A-C-H-U-N-G. And also Collective Culture. If you want to follow them on Instagram, it's at Collective Culture, C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-C-U-L-T-U-R-E with two underscores. Um, you can check us out on Instagram um, and also all of our stuff with Never Apart and all the fun stuff that we post about. Um, so, Muna, this was so fun. Thank yeah. you guys so much for listening. Um, we had a great time today. I'm so excited for next episode. Yeah. Me too. How's you're supposed to say? Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next month. Collective Culture Creative Conversations, the podcast, is made possible by Never Apart and Collective Culture. This podcast is produced and researched by Keisha Chung, Muna Traore, and Anna Okoto. It is edited by Anna Okoto. The music you're hearing was made by the lovely Villa Beats. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to the show. We appreciate you and your support, and we can't wait to bring you back more episodes. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month.